Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. church. I thought that it would be fitting for us to take a look at the events in Holy Week in Jesus's ministry. Now, when we think of Holy Week, there are Three days that stand out in most of us minds. Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. But there are seven days in the week. So what exactly did Jesus do on those other days? Interestingly, I chose this thought for reflection about two weeks ago. And this morning, on WDCX, you'll be surprised to know that Chuck Swindle chose the same theme, but he went day by day. Now, I am attempting to cover the week in this very short session, so I will not be able to go into all the details, but to give you more or less the highlights from Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday. Let us pray. So speak, Lord, in your stillness whilst we wait on you. Hush our hearts to listen in expectancy. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So a look at Holy Week from Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday. Now, last Thursday, Elder Bruno spoke about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem by Jesus, but just for emphasis, I will be going over this very quickly. On the Sunday before Jesus' death, he began his trip to Jerusalem, knowing that soon he would lay down his life for our sins. Nearing the village of Bethpage, he sent two of his disciples ahead, telling them to look for a donkey and its unbroken coat. The disciples were instructed to untie the animals and bring them to him. Then Jesus sat on the young donkey and slowly, humbly made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, fulfilling the ancient prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. 
See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The crowds, as we remembered, welcomed him by waving palm branches in the air and shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the highest. On Palm Sunday, Jesus and his disciples spent the night in Bethany, a town about two miles east of Jerusalem. And this is where Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, lived. They were very close friends of Jesus and probably hosted him and his disciples during their final days in Jerusalem. Now, day two, Monday. On day two, Jesus clears the temple. Jesus returned with his disciples to Jerusalem. Along the way, he cursed the fig tree because it had failed to bear fruit. Some believe that this cursing of the fig tree represented God's judgment on the spiritually dead religious leaders of Israel. Others believe their symbolism extended to all believers, demonstrating that genuine faith is more than just outward religiosity. True, living faith must bear spiritual fruit in a person's life. When Jesus arrived at the temple, he found the courts full of corrupt money changers. He began overturning their tables and clearing the temple, saying, The scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. On Monday evening, Jesus stayed in Bethany, in the home of his friend, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Day three, Thursday, sorry, Tuesday, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives. On Tuesday morning, Jesus and his disciples returned to Jerusalem. They passed the withered fig tree on their way, and Jesus spoke to his companions about the importance of faith. And back at the temple, Religious leaders were upset at Jesus for establishing himself as a spiritual authority. They therefore organized an ambush with intent to place him under arrest. But Jesus evaded their traps and pronounced harsh judgment on them, calling them blind guys. Later that afternoon, Jesus left the city and went with his disciples to the Mount of Olives, which sits due east of the temple and overlook Jerusalem. Here, Jesus gave what is known as the Olivet Discourse, an elaborate prophecy about the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the age. He speaks, as usual, in parables using symbolic language 
about the end times events, including his second coming and the final judgment. Scripture indicates that this Tuesday was also the day Judas Iscariot negotiated with the Sanhedrin and the court of ancient Israel to betray Jesus. After a very tiring day of confrontation and warnings about the future, once again, Jesus and his disciples returned to Bethany to stay the night. We now look at Wednesday, day four. It is said that he stayed quietly that day, resting in Bethany with, at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus in anticipation for the Passover. And just previously to that, Jesus had revealed to his disciples and the world that he had power over death by raising Lazarus from the grave. After seeing this incredible miracle, many people in Bethany believed that Jesus was the Son of God and put their faith in him. Also in Bethany, just a few nights earlier, Jesus' sister, Mary, had lovingly anointed his feet with very expensive perfume. And you remember the words of Judas Iscariot, the treasurer. Why waste that perfume on him? It could have been sold and given to the poor people. And Jesus' response was, let her alone. The poor is always with us but I will not always be with you. So on day five, known as Monday, Thursday. Now, Monday comes from a Latin word, mandatum, meaning command. And Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So from Bethany, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead to the upper room in Jerusalem to make the preparations for the Passover feast. Now, the Passover feast, if you would recall, from the times of Exodus, when the children of Israel were commanded to put a sign upon their doorposts, and the scripture says, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So that is where Passover came about. That evening, after sunset, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples as they prepared to share in the Passover. By performing this humble act of service, Jesus demonstrated by example 
how believers should love one another. Today, many churches still practice foot washing ceremonies as part of their Monday, Thursday services. And then Jesus shared the feast of Passover with his disciples saying, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So as the Lamb of God, Jesus was about to fulfill the meaning of Passover by giving his body to be broken and his blood to be shed in sacrifice, freeing us from sin and death. During this last supper, or Lord's Supper, Jesus established the Lord's Supper or communion, instructing his followers to continually remember his sacrifice by sharing in the elements of bread and wine. Later, Jesus and the disciples left the upper room and went to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed in agony to God the Father. And we are told by Luke that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Later that evening, in Gethsemane, Jesus was betrayed with a kiss by Judas and arrested by the Sanhedrin. He was taken to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, in a kangaroo court setting, where the whole council had gathered to begin making their case against Jesus. Meanwhile, in the early morning hours, as Jesus' trial was getting underway, Peter denied knowing his master three times before the rooster crowed. And that you will remember when Peter said he will never leave his master. Jesus reminded him before the cock crow three times, you shall deny me. And when the cock crow, what did Peter do? Having remembered those words, he wept bitterly. And so this now takes us to Good Friday, day six, where we have the trial, the crucifixion, the death and burial of Jesus. According to the scriptures, Judas Iscariot had betrayed Jesus as we saw before and was, he was overcome with remorse and hanged himself early Friday morning. Meanwhile, before the third hour or nine o'clock, Jesus had to endure the shame of false accusations, condemnation, 
mockery, beatings, and abandonment. After multiple unlawful trials, he was sentenced to death by crucifixion, one of the most horrible and disgraceful methods of capital punishment known at the time, a very painful event that lasted several hours until the body becomes limp. Before Christ was led away, soldiers spit on him, tormented, and mocked him, and pierced him with a crown of thorns. And Jesus was forced to carry his own cross to Calvary, where again he was mocked and insulted as Roman soldiers nailed him to the wooden cross. Now what is interesting about crucifixion is that this is a Roman form of punishment, and yet still the Jews stooped to have it done to Jesus. And here on the cross, Jesus spoke seven final statements. His first words were, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And his last words were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And you will also remember that there were two thieves that were crucified on the cross with Jesus. One railed at him and said, you save others, save us. But the other one said, Lord, when thou goest into thy kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, today you shall be with me in paradise. By 6 p.m. Friday evening, Jesus having been crucified, Nicodemus, you will recall, in John 3, who came to Jesus by night, and Joseph of Arimathea, a very wealthy man, took Jesus' body down from the cross and laid in a tomb, a very expensive tomb, where no man was laid before. And so we now reach Saturday. In the tomb, Jesus' body lay in the tomb, where it was guarded by Roman soldiers throughout the entire day, which was the Sabbath. When the Sabbath ended at 6 p.m., Christ's body was ceremonially treated for burial with spices purchased by Nicodemus. Said the scripture that he bought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. And this was following the Jewish custom that they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloths. Nicodemus, like Joseph of Arimathea, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, the court that had condemned Jesus Christ to death. For a time, 
Both men, afraid to make a public profession of faith because of their prominent positions in the Jewish community. Similarly, both were deeply affected by Christ's death. They boldly came out of hiding, risking their reputations and their lives because they had come to realize that Jesus was indeed the long-awaited Messiah. So together they cared for Jesus' body and prepared it for burial. While his physical body lay in the tomb, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for sin by offering the perfect spotless sacrifice. He conquered death, both spiritually and physically, securing our eternal salvation. 1 Peter 1, 18 tells us, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And so we come to day eight, Resurrection Sunday. On Resurrection Sunday, This brings us to the end of Holy Week. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important event of the Christian faith, the very foundation of all Christian doctrine hinges on the truth of this account. And this is one fundamental thing that separates Christianity from all other religions. When they talk about the Buddha, Muhammad, or whoever it is, none of them claim that their prophet had resurrected from the dead. Jesus Christ is the only one that happened to. And we are basking in this freedom. Thanks be to God for his spotless gift. So, early Sunday morning, several women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Salome, and Mary the mother of James, went to the tomb and discovered that the large stone covering the entrance had been rolled away. And every time I see that it was the women that had gone there, I ask myself the question, where were the men? Okay? Where are all the men gone? That's something I always ponder. An angel announced, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said that he, it would happen. On the day of his resurrection, Jesus Christ made at least five appearances. The first person to see him was Mary Magdalene. Jesus also appeared to Peter, to the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. And later that day, all of the disciples, except Thomas, while they were gathered in a house for the prayer. 
And I always remember when Jesus saw him. Sorry, when Mary saw Jesus, she said, Rabboni, Master. And I always say, we know Jesus as everything else until we hear his voice. So here we are now, 2,000 years after Jesus' death, as followers of Christ, still celebrating this marvelous week. And we thank God that when there appeared to be no other way out, he sent his son Jesus Christ as a once and for all sacrifice. Didn't have to go once a year to the temple. It is finished, his last words. And we thank God for Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Amen.